God is good. Amen. Amen. It's awesome. Well, a few weeks back, probably a couple months ago, Pastor David kind of was starting in a certain direction and he preached on Abraham and then faith. And then we've just been going um, on faith, learning about faith, the importance, uh, what faith is, what some of its uh, outcroppings. And uh, last week, Pastor Sean um, preached on thankfulness, but in regards to um, asking ourselves questions. And my background, and my, my, my kids hate this about me, is that I ask so many questions. And I love a- a- asking questions. And as I was kind of looking at faith, this passage, this verse just jumped out at me. And it says, examine yourself. And I love it. I loved it because now I get to marry questions to faith because it says examine yourself in regards to your faith. It's so critical. First of all, faith itself is critical to your life. Do you realize the grace, we're saved by grace? No question. But an unsaved person has this this huge vat of grace literally hovering upon over them, but they can't access it without grace, I mean, without faith. In Ephesians, it says, you're saved by grace. And then literally two verses later, it says, you're saved by grace through faith. Now, <laughs> my Brenda, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She hates you. She don't say that all the time. It's just like, I got so many thoughts running through my head. And then where to start? She said, don't tell everybody that. It makes it looks like you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so, oh, this is going to, she's going to get this time delayed, so. You know, I'm going to be sleeping this afternoon resting, and she's going to say, I told you not to do that, but but I get away with it for a few hours here. (laughs) Ephesians 2, verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith. I'm going to read a couple more verses in conjunction with that thought. Hebrews, uh, not Hebrews, Romans, therefore being justified by faith. The only way you become righteous and become and, and are put into right standing with God, justification is through faith. It's our faith. So faith is incredibly critical. I ask myself the question, why are we talking so much about faith? Because it is critical. It is critical. We're going to go through a couple other verses to, to see how critical our faith is. But here, Rome, Romans 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, being justified by your faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom? 
by Jesus Christ also, we have access by faith into this grace. It's by faith that we access the grace. And the grace, when he says this grace, into this grace, he's reflecting back on chapter 4 where he's talking about Abraham. And now I'm going to go back six weeks and I'm going to preach my sermon all over again. (laughs) For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Uh, Korah, Romans 4, that was verse 13. For if they which are of the law be heirs, therefore your own works, if you are an heir because of your own works, then faith, oh good, then faith is made void. So am I yelling? Okay, I am. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'll just read. And, and the promise is made of no effect. Which way do you like better? The other, okay. <laughs> because the law <laughs> worketh wrath. <laughs> where, no, where no law is, there is no transgression. Verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith. We enter the grace and we receive the promise because of our faith. Our faith literally unlocks, uh, is the key that unlocks the lock that allows grace to flow into your life. And initially grace is that forgiveness and it's that washing away, it's that cleansing. But then as we mature, grace becomes empowerment. That may, allows us to walk in the promise, not just receive it. You know, they, Abraham received the promise, but he didn't actually realize Jesus, the seed of the promise. But he received it. And we can receive grace. We re- wa- enter into the promise, but then grace empowers us to walk in the promise. And it's all keyed on faith. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. I didn't actually read that part. You can throw that verse up so everybody can see it together. Verse 16. If I look like I'm squinting sometimes, it's because the font size on the verse number is really small. For this reason, it is by faith in order that it may be in in accordance The word accordance, if you look in the concordance. (laughs) All right, okay, my my son over here is kind of looking, Dad, you're corny today. (laughs) Yes, Pastor David is rubbing off on me. (laughs) There you go. It's all, it's all, all, blame it all on him. See, see, I examine myself and it's all his fault. (laughs) So the word uh, accordance in your concordance means channel. Think of that. It's like viaduct. Um, I, I was looking at uh, 
through one of my business things. I was down in, just outside Los Angeles one time, years ago. And, you know, there's, there's a, a, via, a water duct literally 100 miles, maybe 200 miles away that gets this water deep underground, and now it's channeled. It's channeled to Los Angeles through this concrete uh, tunnel underground, and they channel this water down. That's our faith, is the channel. It can only hold a certain amount of water. But if you make it bigger, so, therefore, if you increase your faith, you have more, more water, which is the grace. If you can increase your grace, if you can increase the channel the accordance, you literally increase the grace in your life. And it's the grace that empowers you to walk in the promises of God. It's not your faith alone. Faith accesses the grace. You want more grace in your life? And now I'm talking to the mature ones here. The empowerment. If you want God's empowerment flowing through your life, we increase our faith. That's why faith is so critical. So critical. Because it unlocks that door. Unlocks the floodgates. Amen? Amen. Okay, you gotta, I'm, I was going to grab my phone because I'm going to... I'm notorious for forgetting about the clock. But it's right there. So. Faith. Critical. Do you realize God has a plan and a purpose? A promise for you to walk in. First words. First words that God uttered to mankind were, be fruitful. Be fruitful. Too many of us settle for surviving. If I can just make it through the skin of my teeth, I don't even know how that phrase ever. But when I was a kid, they were called white knuckle Christians. Just hanging on. on the, the knuckles were getting white as, as you were losing your grip. And, and, and it was survival mode. And too many Christians, they exist in survival mode and never fulfill the purposes, the plans, the promises of God that, ha, has he, that he's lined up. He literally, it says in Ephesians chapter 2 that he has good works that he has ordained for us. From before the foundations of the world, before time, before time, he had good works lined up for us. And yet, too many Christians are literally in survival mode. How do we enter those promises, purposes, plans? Well, it's the grace of God that allows us to do that. But faith, our faith unlocks our faith. Amen? 
who Paul said, writing to Timothy, I know whom I have believed, and I, have, I am persuaded that he is able. Faith. Faith is literally our persuasion. First, it's our belief in what God said to be true. But then that faith turns into this persuasion that causes us to step out, act. Faith is like a, well, probably more than a two-sided coin. But first, faith is the substance. The word substance means it's our substructure. It's literally what lies beneath. So faith is like the foundations that you see. They dig out. If you go to downtown Vancouver, sometimes they go like four, five, six, seven stories down, digging out, excavating. And then they put this huge foundation. And guess what? They don't put one floor above ground. They go 30, 40, 50 stories. Why? Because the substructure, the substance, the substructure. So your faith is like that huge foundation. The deeper you go, the stronger you build that substructure, the greater, the greater you will walk in the promises and the plans and the purposes that God. Why? Because the substructure. What is that substructure? Well, some of it is actual head knowledge. It's learning. There's some Christians that say, oh, you know, knowledge. Oh, no, 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 it's, it's, it's all about your experiences. Well, hmm. you got to read your Bible. You got to know what the word of God says. You have to have a deposit of some information. Because if, if you have no information, it's like the Holy Spirit can come upon you. But what is it drawing on? So some head knowledge is required. Study to show yourself approved and ready. What happens? As we study, we get to know God. There's been several different movies about Jesus. I read this article. The gentleman that played Jesus... I don't know how much of a Christian background he had, but I don't think he was like a born-again Christian. When these actors, they embed themselves in their character, this gentleman read the Gospels. And literally as he read them to, to, just, to, to just allow himself to be in this role, he got to know Jesus. He said he would cry just at how wonderful this person was that he now got to portray. So literally, literally you can get to know Jesus by his word. Study his word. Read his word. Why? Because it's building your faith. As your faith, as your knowledge increases, literally it'll cause you to do things that you probably never would have done before. So faith, being on one side of the coin, this knowledge, this understanding, literally causes you to 
step out in faith. And then you get to learn a, a totally but more even beautiful side of faith. You get to know the Lord even more incredibly through experiencing faith working in your life. Amen? And so faith, faith as you study, as you learn, as you pray and commune with the Holy Spirit, with Lord Jesus Christ, with our Heavenly Father, three persons, yes, you can communicate with them. As you commune through your prayer life, through your reading life, your study life, there's this persuasion that builds up. I'm so persuaded about what God's word says that it literally will cause you to step up in the power and in the authority that he literally speaks about. Amen? Amen. Wow. Wow. Woo. Where do I jump to next? Oh. You know what? I, I just love chapter 11, Hebrews. You read, you read, and Pastor David preached out of there, out of that chapter. Just amazing. It then goes to chapter 12. And just, just to read and to meditate on these words. I just want to read the first three verses. The, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about so, by so great a cloud of witnesses. What is the cloud of witnesses? All the people that, that uh, the writer had just um, written about. Abraham. Um, Isaac. Um, oh my, Noah, Enoch, all those, all those people from, and Daniel. You know, Daniel's not in there by name, <laughs> but it says that there was the lion's mouths were stopped, and that's me. That's me. So I know Daniel's name is not there, but, but he is. He's there. <laughs> So we have this great cloud of witnesses, and my namesake is watching me. <laughs> He's part of that great cloud. Now, listen to this. Lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I love this. Looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is set down now at the right hand of the throne of God. Then it says, for consider him. Consider him. I love all these words. I'll finish reading. Consider him that endured such contradiction against himself lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Examine yourself. I love reading this passage because it says, okay, see. Did you just see what I talked about? The writer is saying, seeing this great cloud, do you, do you see what I just explained to you? Examine it. Look at it. Then it says, now looking unto Jesus. We're in a day and an age where we don't look and see nothing. We can 
Okay, I'll speak for myself, sorry. Speak for myself. I can read a whole chapter. Then I jump in my car and I get drive into where am I? And I, what did I just read? And I can just forget all of it. I can be in a conversation with my wife, looking straight at her. And she's talking at me, talking to me, uh, talking to me, talking to me. And then she says, now, what did I just say? <laughs> and now, guys, I don't know if any of you have ever been through this. Woo. Woo. We hear. We hear without hearing. We see without seeing. And even there's a scripture verse. We, we look at ourselves in the mirror, and then we walk away, and we just actually forget what we even look like. It's in James. So I, when I think of the idea of asking ourselves questions and examining our faith, I love this passage because it says, did you just see what I just wrote? Did you really let it sink in? Then he says, now look at Jesus. And literally the word look there means to literally turn away from all those distractions, literally turn and focus. Wow, there's a lost art. Focus. Focus. Focus on Jesus. And then verse 3 says, consider. Wow. Consider. Consider. I wanted to give you three points on the critical and importance of our faith and how do we examine ourselves. First, there's a lot of humanistic mentality out there. Is look deep inside yourself. That is the wrong place to start. The wrong place to start is look at, look at yourself and, 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 and then just empty yourself. And, and, and No, no. First place, look unto Jesus. Look unto Jesus. I don't have time to go into every single word here, but I have them on my page. But I want to look. The finisher. I, I, want, I, I was just intrigued, and I want to read this. The finisher means the perfecter of our faith. But it describes a doer. I love that. Jesus was a doer. He was a completer. He was a finisher. So uh, right away, a perfect, perfect person to look at because he did it. What he's asking you to do, what God's word asks you to do, he's done it. But, but here, the, that's the word uh, tell us. Tell us. us T-E-L-O-S. It's a Greek word. It describes the completion of a cycle or procedure that exists within a larger operation. So, Pastor Nelson's word, in other words. How many of you ever? He'll say a whole bunch of Greek, and then he'll say, in other words. And now he'll explain it to us. <laughs> okay. Jesus lived his life, completed this cycle. He completed perfectly. 
So when we look at the life of faith, it says he's the finisher. It literally means he finished what he's asking you to do. So look at his life to see how he did it. And then it says, use him as your example. It's all there in the word finisher. He's done it. He's completed the cycle that he's asking you to complete. And now you can look at how he did it. Follow his example. Life of faith. I'm intrigued by some of the words. I'm going to just quote one, one of the passages. Um, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, listen to this, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I don't live my life, although it does say it in the other pictures, in my, because of my faith in Christ. But this particular passage, and there's several of them that says, I live my life by the faith of Jesus. So Jesus lived this faith Filled life. And because he authored it, he finished it, we can look to him as an example of how to do it. And then we can, through grace, and I, I don't know how to explain it, through grace, we literally get to utilize his faith. <laughs> wow. I, wow. That's amazing. We get to utilize. Hmm. First one. In examining yourself, look to Jesus. We can, the next, um, Next one is, is look at Hebrews 11. But we have to understand humans fail. We can put our faith and trust in a human being and then they fail and our life is shattered because we're looking at the wrong person. You can put all your hopes and dreams into your career and put your faith and trust in your talent, your ability, and then you get the layoff slip and your life is shattered. So we have a world that builds their faith, their trust, their hope on something that fades away that will burn up in people who will fail. They build their lives on it, and it comes crashing down because their substructure was built on sand. That's a great parable to read. Build your house on a firm foundation, the rock, Jesus Christ. You build your faith on that, then you know that what you're building will last. Because one of the keys of, of lasting in your Christian life is endurance. 
because there's an enemy who does not want you to succeed in following the plans, the purposes, the promises of God. And he will do everything he can to wear you out, wear you down, make you give up, throw in the towel. Listen, consider him that endured such contradictions of sinners against himself, lest you be weary and faint in your minds. If your life is not built, if your faith is not built upon the proper foundation, Jesus Christ, and he is your role model, he is your source, he is your model, if that is not your case, then you're building it on the wrong foundation. And in the end, it'll wash away. And the hope you thought you had will turn into hopelessness. So first, when you examine yourself, actually, I want the word examine, one of the words used for examine is assay. A-S-S-A-Y. It's a mining term that means heat up the gold to get the impurities out. So when you examine yourself, you got to turn the heat up. Don't be all loosey-goosey. Oh, I made a mistake. Next time I'll be better. <laughs> Just turn the heat up on yourself. Get serious with yourself. I, there, there are several. I, I just love reading these passages as I'm studying this one subject because then all of a sudden it says, be sober and vigilant. Whoa. Be diligent. Oh, my. I would just want it to talk about faith and grace. Yes. But no, be sober, be vigilant, be diligent. You got to be hard on yourself. It says, you know, if you examine yourself properly, and I forget the exact wording, so all you Bible scholars out there, don't just settle down, just settle down. But if you judge yourself, then you will not be judged. So, Examine yourself. Put yourself through the ringer. Lay here. How do you examine yourself? Lay aside every weight. Lay aside the sins which just entangle you, snare you. And let us run with patience the race that is set. Part of examining yourself is saying, okay, is my life too cluttered? We have this dog at home. Ah, he's a cute little guy, but I, I personally, I, I don't like animals in my house. Animals belong outside. Anyways, anyways, besides that, he's this cute little guy, but, you know, you can throw the ball and he'll run and he'll grab the ball and he'll come back and he's not old enough or he hasn't been taught enough, I don't know. He doesn't drop the ball. And then you throw another one and he runs with the current ball in his mouth and he, and he tries to grab the second ball, and he's wrestling because there's too much there for him to grab a hold of. And then he runs back to you all, all happy and jumpy and bouncy with one ball in his mouth, and he still doesn't drop it. And then now you have to walk to get the other one. But anyways, all that said is he, he wants to get more than he can handle. And that's what we are like sometimes in our own lives. There's too much in our life that 
does not us allow us to run this race, to, to take faith and utilize your, our faith to move into the promises, the plans, the purposes of God. And we have this clutter that weighs us down. And that is why we need to examine ourselves, turn the heat up on ourselves and say, okay, I, this cannot be part of my life. If I really want to pursue these promises of God, the plans and his purpose, I got to let this go. This can't be on my plate anymore because it's taking up too much valuable space, too much valuable time, too much valuable energy. And we have to examine ourselves to say, okay, what do I need to put away? And the words literally there that say lay aside, they literally mean lay aside. There's no hidden Greek meaning there. It's just lay it aside. Let it go. Examine yourself and sometimes let it go. Amen. Third is look at ch chapter 11. Look. Sometimes you need a mentor in your life, a pastor in your life. You've got to talk to somebody, have coffee with somebody. There are other human beings that do perform a valuable service. Just don't put your faith, hope, and complete trust in them because we fail. As humans, we fail. But we can look at their examples. We can talk to them and bounce ideas off them. So that's three. <laughs> we, we do have good people in life. Look unto Jesus. Examine yourself and see what do I need to let go of. And then get somebody good, healthy in your life that you can talk to. Amen? Amen. Amen. I hope that made sense to everybody. Amen. Amen. Pastor David, I'm just going to pray a blessing. The Lord bless you, and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you his true shalom his well-being, his wholeness, and his completeness. Let that be part of your life. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. God bless you, and have an awesome afternoon and an awesome week. Amen.